0: Hello, we love to watch and don't you dare fans. This is Aaron Armstrong breaking in for a quick, important announcement about the episode you're about to hear. You're going to hear a lot in this episode around uh, urgently recorded, noting that we need to to catch the moment and get this out so that you are hearing it immediately. Because, you know, this episode is about uh, the New Radicals and we uh, we recorded it. The day after Joe Biden was inaugurated and the New Radicals performed for the first time since 1998 at his inauguration. Now, if you're looking at the release date of this, you may notice it is now May of 2022. And throughout the episode, as we talk about, we don't want to wait six to 12 months for you to hear this episode. We need to get right on it. Uh, we, we forgot about, uh, that we edit these things, and then we release them, and you know, that was very confusing, and also, I've been stuck in a time warp, and for me, today is the day after January 21st, 2021, so from my perspective, I got this out right away, unfortunately, missed a lot, hope things are getting better, a lot of hopeful people named Aaron and Peter on this episode may say maybe things will get better, um, I'm just going to take a quick sip of my editing coffee and read the news for the last year and a half that I missed being stuck in a time warp, and I'm hopefully everything's great. Uh, but uh, even though this might not have been as timely to you people that are living in normal, linear time, uh, we still released it, so yay for us. You get to hear it. And don't forget, uh, if you do have the dreamer's disease, please call your doctor.
1: Beep, 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 beep.
2: Beep
0: how do i pick up how do i pick up morse code <laughs> hold on hold on uh, it's an emergency transmission peter <laughs> that's right. what it is it's a beep beep, or should it be beep 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 beep, beep, beep. <laughs> isn't it long short long short
3: or something beep beep, is it three, beep, dots, beep three dots three dots and a dash So it's... For what? Short, short, long, short, short, long. For SOS. Emergency. Come get us.
0: (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm beep, beep, beeping. Uh, Beep, 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 beep. We'll go beep We're doing an emergency episode of Don't You Dare, uh, Because the Miracle Happened. New Radicals reunited for five minutes. Peter, I'm daring you to listen to all of... You maybe you've been brainwashed too. The only album by the New Radicals.
3: I, I saw the inauguration more like the old radicals. I mean, they're still radical. Right, I call I, it the
0: intro. I, I, I didn't correct radical. The, the old, uh, slightly less radical. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm Aaron Armstrong. That's Pete Moran. Uh, we normally host a podcast called We Love to Watch. Where we talk about movies, and occasionally we do episodes uh, of a sidecast called Don't You Dare, where we dare each other to experience um, media that the other one has not. Uh, we've done a lot of things. Movies uh, that we wouldn't necessarily cover on the show, uh, video games, other podcasts. Uh, that one will be coming out later on, because I know it's going to drop way earlier. Uh, and we normally go back and forth, but the, um, a, a crazy thing happened. <laughs> uh my next album that I was planning when we got through this was on my short list of stuff to dare Peter to talk about was the New Radicals album, Maybe You've Been Brainwashed to. It came out in 1998. Sort of our I tour of
3: the late 90s.
0: Yeah. We've done I, I Ska. Absolutely... We've
3: done Smash Mouth. We've done Techno.
0: Yeah. We, uh, but I absolutely love this album. And we've talked about it on We Love to Watch. We talked about it because uh, my uh, it's the only album that I had in uh, high school that my dad – uh, made me throw away. Uh, and uh, that's not true. Uh, two. There was two. They discover my uh, Smashing Pumpkins in the Airplane Over the Sea box set. Uh, and they made me get rid of that only because um, when they went through it, uh, Catholic parents, if you've never listened to the show before, they... Um, they there was like nudity in it like it was like arty black and white nudity but they're like why do you have this and it's like well i have it for the music but i saw the nudity and that's why i hid it under my bed but i probably should have just placed it in a normal spot because i had tons of like there was other smashing pumpkins and pixies albums and stuff in there that had uh nudity in the artwork and and, and i wasn't that desperate at also wasn't like it like
3: I, antiquated 1920s nudity
0: yeah it wasn't like it was, it was, like, arty black and white, like... Yeah, I mean, it's like, think of, like, the Surfer Rosa, uh, Pixie's album cover, Nudity. But they did, like, they did what, make me get rid gonna, of that. Are you gonna be
3: beaten off to pictures from <laughs> when the Model T was the most prevalent car in America?
0: Uh, sure. I mean, I was 15, <laughs> but I wasn't that... T- the internet was around. I had uh, friends whose uh, dads had... Uh, uh, pornography magazines I had access to. Like I wasn't that hard up that I was they masturbating put pornography to
3: pornography the, in the magazine? <laughs> I
0: I wasn't I wasn't so hard up I was like masturbating to Smashing Pumpkins liner notes, but uh you know. Uh but this was the one that they made me actually throw away for musical content because I had bought it and I was listening to it a lot and so I had it out by the CD stuff. And I think I had the lyric sheet out as well. And my dad re- walked into my room randomly and read it, and then forced <laughs> forced me to listen to him, read the lyrics to me. He Bill was like, uh, he did Bill Marmy. Uh, it was it, we'll talk about the song because we're gonna go through track by track, but he uh, he uh he would read the lyrics and then go, "This is what you like to listen to." Like it was just like. Okay, like, like I know what albums you have. Like, you have a whole Who collection. Like, they never talked about sex or drugs. Come on, give me a break, hippie dad. Her man gone, gone,
3: gone.
0: Yeah, so uh, um, a
3: year. She's fucking the mailman in his ear.
0: <laughs> Do you think the squeeze box was a fucking accordion? Get it together.
3: I one of, um, one of the. One of the key questions I had, uh, for one of my, 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 uh, high school teachers was he was just playing music one day and I was like, uh, sir, excuse me. What's a squeeze box.
0: <laughs> it goes in and out. and in. Come on. Uh, I would have loved to, if I had been smart and knew the who as well as I do now, I would have went down to that album and been like, this is what you like. It goes in and out and in and out and in and out dad. Um, but that's a conversation for a different day. But, uh, you know, I did what every uh, every 15 or 16-year-old did when their, their parents threw away an album, when I had access to cars and money. Uh, not a lot of it, but I had Enough. a way to get to record stores and buy... I just went and bought another one and hid this one a little more. But uh, it was... Yeah, so... But I, I... So we did talk about that once on We Love to Watch. I forget the context. Um, but this... Uh, this was always I think this was probably going to be the next album that I that I said that you should listen to uh, because I loved it. And and weirdly enough, it ha- like when when did I think the new radicals would be in the news again? Uh, this week, we're recording this the day after uh, Joe Biden was inaugurated president. Um, but, you know, he had a lot of um, a lot of people play at his inauguration uh, bands that people know, Lady Gaga, uh, Foo Fighters. But the biggest one that kind of became the meme of 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 the inauguration was joe biden personally asked the new radicals to reunite they had they had not played together not performed since um 1998 we'll get into that i actually know a decent amount of history uh, about the new radicals surprisingly and you know why joe uh, biden
3: is was attached to them
0: i do yeah so his son beau who uh died of cancer um, this was his favorite. The get you get what you give was his favorite song. He used to play it um, all the time and it, trying to like because it's, it's he saw it as a song about hope about not giving up when you're really down. Like you know, kind of really sincere stuff, right? Um, I guess uh, Bo Biden's sister wrote about it in the um, in her autobiography that she wrote about how he would make me listen to this and say like that's what I want. You know, no matter how bad it gets, you know you know keep your head up that type of stuff and so it was played at his funeral um, and so you know Joe Biden is like a memory to his 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 son who died asked um, asked Greg Alexander the new radicals if he'd be willing to to do it and I actually read uh, the interview that he did uh, Rolling Stone Uh, A couple days ago from when we're recording this where he talked about, like, he'd been offered a lot of money to do stuff before and he always turned it down. But for something like this at a time, her country's falling apart and maybe a little bit of optimism is what people need for someone who, like, this song meant the world to him uh, and his uh, son who died. Um, He was willing to do it. And um, so that's a super, like, sweet story. Uh, overall, um, and I'm definitely not here to make make fun of that, but it was weird. Also, Bo them...
3: was also, Bo was like by a lot of people, he was sort of being gently groomed, um, to be like a superstar politician. Like, jo- Joe wanted Bo to kind of like take over his legacy and, and um, like re- reform America, um, yeah.
0: And, I mean, I have a, like, you know, I hope Joe Biden does a lot of good stuff. Uh, I was not happy with him getting the, the nomination over Bernie and a bunch of other stuff. But, like, you know, I I think he's definitely going to, you know, already in the executive orders, he's done some good stuff. And, you know, it, it, it cannot be worse and has to be a little better. If he can have just some competent people in some areas of government that we need, like education and um, – The CDC and other stuff, he'll be doing a million times better. But there's also a lot about Joe Biden, you know, his history and and allegations that I think are generally credible that like, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to make it seem like this is just a full nice story of an old of an old man. Uh, But this part of it is, I think, uh, unequivocally like kind of a sweet story. Um, And so, you know, we're we've recorded a few Don't You Dares that we haven't released that we will get to. Um, and it just made sense instead of like recording it as next in the chain and releasing it somewhere between six months to a year from now as we bank these up. It kind of makes sense to, to just do an emergency episode because this was definitely on the list of stuff for Peter to listen to. And Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, you had definitely heard – I mean I assume you'd heard uh, You Get What You Give – a million times before yeah
3: yeah i didn't i didn't know anything about this band uh but i had nonetheless nevertheless um heard two or three songs uh, off this album on the radio a hundred thousand times to the point where like i really like one of them and one of them uh makes me break out in hives i hate it so much (laughs)
0: Okay, well, we'll get to that. So I um, here's here's a couple things I'll say about uh, – let me give a little bit of background on both my history and why I wanted – why I thought it would make sense for Peter to listen to and why I like this album so much and a little bit about the band. So New Radicals is basically Greg Alexander. He uh, had done – he was born in Michigan. He had done some solo work albums in the early 90s that no one heard and he kind of formed this like collective. It was like 10 musicians who made this album. Um uh, that had us, you know, kind of a surprise huge radio hit in 1998. That kind of cut through like a lot of what was playing on the radio. It was, it was super like um, I'm going to use ELO a lot as a touch point, um, but you know, it had big production, big swelling choruses, a lot of different instrumentations, um, and just felt like something that you know, a lot of falsetto, which was very ELO type stuff. It, it just felt like stuff that you know, it stood out on the. If you were listening to just pop radio. In the '90s, the late '90s, with a lot of you know uh, the kind of the end of the post-post grunge era, and um, along with uh, you know the kind of the new the the Lilith the Lilith Fair stuff, um, which is very prevalent, to kind of like up. Uh, you know, I I, don't, I I hesitate to call the Hootie and the Blowfishes of the world post-grunge, but the kind of like poppy rock that was emerging at the time, and then uh, the reemergence from of like boy bands and stuff like that, of like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys trying to get good, and like the Latino explosion of like Ricky Martin and Enrique Iglesias. All that stuff is sort of existing, and this sound this this song sounded nothing like anything else that was just on your standard pop radio that I was listening to at the time, and so. Uh, it immediately made me want to go uh, buy the album, and the album was like nothing else I was listening to at the time. You know, I've talked a little bit about my history with with music in general. Uh, I don't need to go into too much detail, but I was buying a lot of stuff like Oasis and Third Eye Blind albums and uh, Beastie Boy albums, along with a heavy dose of techno albums. You can listen to it, Don't You Dare on, on all of that, and so I, you know, I didn't have the um, the musical history to really get where some of these influences were coming on. So it just really was like nothing else that I listened to. And so the album as a whole, I think, just kind of stood out as something that was unique from, again, the Smashing Pumpkins and the Live and Stone Temple Pilots and all those kind of thing. And I think that same like inkling to go like, oh, this is different than what I'm listening to, and I really like it is why Uh, a year or so after this, I got really into Ben Folds five and stuff like that. Cause just that kind of um, percussion infused piano rock was just different than, you know, even though it's like, you know, it's influenced by Elton John. Like I knew Elton John (laughs) primarily as someone who I had to hear that in insufferable uh, uh, redo of candle in the wind a million (laughs) times on the radio or, or stuff like that. So like, I didn't, I didn't have the, these bands that I would eventually, or groups or singers that I would eventually find later on in my life, um, and ended up falling in love with as well, the Elton Johns and the ELOs, and you know even some more, you know Beach Boys uh, and and Beatles stuff. I just didn't have the reference point, so this sounded like nothing else I was listening to. And I think you like, I think there's a lot of things in this album too that we'll talk about when we get into some songs that I see as also like why it's not it's not like these things necessarily but it was more like these things than anything else i was listening to at the time why i eventually found stuff like radiohead uh even though obviously radiohead predates the new radicals i wasn't listening to radiohead so so like when i hear some of this especially the back you know the, the the songs on the back half of this album and i recognize a little bit of that uh you know Tom York Radiohead type stuff, it's like, oh, I can see why I eventually connected with that. Or even um, stuff like they have kind of a weird instrumental mumbling track on here that I always really liked. It's like, well, this is an Animal Collective, but it's definitely the closest to Animal Collective I was listening to at the time. <laughs> and I can see why 10 years later that I got really into Animal Collective because the, the same like um, – the same types of things that connected me to this music eventually connected me to, you know, much better, much deeper music or whatever you want to call it. But, like, the the, the, the roots are there, I think. Um, and now you're obviously listening to this album from probably the experience of having heard all of the – both the things that it was influenced by and also stuff that came later that did some of the same moves better – but you know, for me, this was this just felt wholly um, original, especially compared to everything else. So that's really why it connected to me. And the the other thing I'll say about it, though, that is surprising. Like, there's a lot of music from 1998 uh, that I had. I had hundreds of CDs. I would buy, you know, if I heard us There was no downloading singles or something like that. So most of my money that I worked at my job went to went to music buying. And you know, there's some of those albums that I still enjoy when I hear. Like we talked about that when we did third Eye blind or some of the techno songs. like, oh, I enjoy this, but this has this has definitely gone out of my musical playlists or things like that. I don't listen to it anymore. And then there's some stuff from this era that I still really like, like um, another album. From about the same time the year before that I like played over and over and over again, which is the Beastie Boys Hello Nasty, which is an album that I still like, but I tend to not listen to it as much as the other Beastie Boys stuff just because like... Uh, Even though Intergalactic's uh, a good song and I like it, I just listened to it a little bit too much 20 years ago. And as such, I don't get the same connection to it as I do other Beastie Boy stuff that I haven't listened to quite as much. But this album's a little weird in that, like, as much as I had a connection and just loved it at the time and was listening to it over and over, I, I listened to it a lot for years after that. It wasn't one of those albums that I spun for 20 times, 100 times, and then... Oh, cool! The new um, live album came out or something, and now I'm listening to that over and over. And I forgot about this one. This kind of stayed as an album present in my, you know, in my car and in my quick access and in college for like five years. And then songs still are on random iTunes and Spotify playlists that I have. Like I have a, you know, an upbeat party mix of songs that everyone knows and you get what you give is on it. When I hear it, I still really like it. Like I still really enjoy listening to it or even some other ones like mother. We can't just get enough or Jehovah um, made this whole joint for you. Where like, if I want like a happy vibe type music, I still put these songs on. So, about half of the album I probably haven't heard in fifteen years, but about half the album um, I'm still just relatively familiar with. In that I, you know, it shows up on random playlists that I make, and that's just not that true of of other stuff for the most part that I listened to in 1998. Even the bands that I think in general or the albums in general that have stood the test of time for me. Um, I just never got sick of some of the songs on here, despite having listened to them over and over and over again. And when I was, I listened to it twice to prepare for this podcast all the way through. And man, I mean, I, w- I listened to it once, kind of doing the dishes and then uh, making some dinner. And I was bouncing around the kitchen, like, uh, and tapping my foot when I was listening to it while I was getting some work done, uh, re listening today. Like, I, I just still. It doesn't feel like nostalgia, where it just feels like I really am enjoying most of the music. I'll talk a little bit about some of the, the caveats and the embarrassing stuff about it. But overall, even myself revisiting this, I, I really like. I really do think it's a really fucking good album.
3: So I, I, I half agree with you. I think it's half a really good album. So a lot of albums from this era, um, they're really front-loaded all the big singles are in the first half of the album. Um, and this is sort of like a a byproduct of B-siding. Um, and then on the backside is like the stuff that doesn't quite work as well. Or, you know, sometimes it's very interesting shit. That's just not as sellable. Yeah. Um, (laughs) like my favorite, one of my favorite, actually, yeah, my favorite Radiohead, uh, song is a song called four minute warning, which is like, um, a b-side off the second disc of, in, <laughs> of, uh, of uh, in rainbows and um like that's a song that like makes me cry and i'm so glad that i like kept listening to all the bonus tracks even though you know i was already in love with that album and you know yeah. i was gonna listen to him anyways i'm really glad that i kept going um but like so like uh, i think that album starts off very strong and uh there's a there's a clear point for me where, uh, some of the stylistic influences start to wear on me aesthetically. Um, and like, I think Greg Alexander's weakness as a songwriter starts to show in the second half, but the first half, I'm I'm mostly digging what he he's coming up with um and I think like the sonics of it are really solid but it's kind of it it, it does tap into something that is is uh, I I think largely um largely un undiscovered uh, country or no that's not the right term it's largely sort of um uh un uh, unreported which is uh the strange resurgence in the 90s of uh, what was supposedly 60s culture, but was really like 70s hippie hangover culture. Um, yeah, where it was like, okay, <clears throat> um, you think you're talking about the 60s flower child stuff, but actually the music that you're emulating is post-summer of 69, a little darker, more jam-bandy, you know, you're a little bit more hungover, the drugs are hitting a little bit different now, (laughs) kind of like that early 70s hippie hangover stuff um, that, like, I think speaks to this album more and adds a, 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 a complexity to it, but without them becoming a jam band, because I don't, I, I I'm really glad the band never segues into being a jam band. Like they no, all, yeah, it, it very has very a lot of build, but
2: it,
0: yeah, it it has the one song that tends to just kind of be like this sonic exploration of of stuff. The the six minute song in the middle, maybe we've been brainwashed too. That's kind of just mumbly and different, like riffs and stuff like that, which which I do like quite a bit. Although, um, that's about where I I tune out for the album. <laughs> uh, fair. I mean. In in fairness, uh, I listened to this album a lot. I did what a lot of people do when they listen to albums a lot. I listened to the first six songs 50 times and then started getting further and further into the album. But then I wanted to go back and listen to the songs that were stuck in my head. And, like, the back half of this album is definitely weaker than the front half. And I eventually kind of, you know, (laughs) you can call cognitive dissonance myself. But I don't think so, because even listening these times, I still... I still liked a lot of the songs on the back half, even if I recognize they are either um, very tonally or musically similar to the songs on the first half while still being generally weaker.
3: Yeah, I, I, I didn't really, you know, I listened to the album twice um, and I probably, you know, if I, lis- I listened to it a bunch more times, I would have probably found something something of affinity um, yeah with, with the latter half of the album But largely uh, the front half is so strong That by the time I got to the second half I was like Do you have much else to say And uh, it, it and at that point I was like No I don't think he had much to say at all it's just that he had a lot of fun song ideas a fun uh, fun conceptual ideas for songs and a bunch of like experimental space that he wanted to play in um and it's not to take away credit from the rest of the band but it sounds like the band is largely like a rotating
0: yeah it's like, basically him and then and one, one other person yeah no so it was, i mean it was like he put together this band for this album but if he wrote almost all the songs and then um there's basically one other person that is like kind of in the and from a creative standpoint, um uh Danielle uh Breezeboys uh was the only other permanent member, was the keyboardist and per- percussionist. And so, she was like
3: a former child star, right?
0: Yeah, and all she was the, the only other person that she yeah, she was the only other person that played at the inauguration. The rest were all session musicians, which is kind of how his band was. Uh, for the for the most part, even though, like, I think the keyboard and the percussion is really good on this album. Like, I really like some of the keyboard stuff, especially in the in the first half. Uh, it's one of those things where it's kind of like he gave he, he, him doing Greg Alexander wasn't selling records. So he decided to give himself a band name. And then, you know, it was 10 people were in the band, but only one other permanent member. Yeah, so,
3: let, so actually, let me, let's actually let's let's quickly let actually, talk about let me let me ahead. actually like uh, let's get the negative out of the way.
0: <clears throat> no, actually, well, I want to talk a little bit about history before we go into the negative. Okay. So, because I would is like worth to
3: talking... end on a positive note, because I did actually have a lot of fun listening to this. I'm uh,
0: glad you did. Like, which is I not, did t-
3: not what I was expecting when I opened up the album cover and saw a white guy in a bucket hat.
0: So let's talk a little bit about that. So part of the reason that this band made one album and dissolved before. The second single came out. So You Get What You Give came out. Huge hit. The second single was Someday We'll Know. The band is all three months before the label even released that second single. Part of the reason was Greg Alexander, uh, shy kid from Detroit, uh, liked making music. He was uh, from a very like uh, conservative... Um, conservative family, uh which actually I found I found that out this time around because he has a song called Jehovah Made This Whole Joint for You and I'm like, Is he Jewish? It's kinda weird to use that or was he just trying to be hip, but he was a Jehovah's Witness. Um that's how he was raised. Makes sense. Um so So I guess that makes a little, like, it's still a little, I mean, Jehovah's Witness by their definition is a little bit of appropriation of Jewish culture, but uh, it makes a little more sense. as A lot of those new,
3: a lot of those new religions are uh, appropriations of of, uh, religious culture or of Jewish culture, like how, um, I don't know if they still use it, but like for a long time, uh, Mormons referred to non-Mormons as Gentiles, including Jews. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where like that felt a little bit better from just like, uh, oh, I'm just going to use this thing because it'll, you know, it's edgy 90s stuff or whatever. And it makes a little more sense. So he released a couple albums that didn't get big. And then he released this after trying to like, you know, make a band because bands were more popular than just, you know, Greg Alexander types at the time. So it did it. He made it big. He made an album. Um he hated uh performing in front of people. He was extremely shy. He had anxiety and panic attacks every time he went out. It's why he started wearing the hat because he could cover his face. And when the song got big and he, you know, had to start going on tour, he quit. He's like I'm done. Um so a lot of it and he talked about that a lot. I knew about that at the time when I was like when can I go see him in concert or when will there be a second album? And I found out a lot about this. And he talked a lot about that in the recent Rolling Stone interview, that he did eventually get over that anxiety, but also like just liked his life so much in what he was doing then. And it wasn't worth him like going back out and performing because he still doesn't really like it, even if he doesn't have like crippling panic attacks. So the hat, which kind of became a joke and a meme because those hats were very popular for four weeks and it was like his, you know, white guy with a hat. It and also, was, they
3: were those they were sort of appropriated from rap culture because um, like bucket hats were yeah. like the rap culture thing. I mean, I, yeah, think they were like specific- a, I think they were, like, a fisherman thing, and then they were a rap culture thing, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, specifically, it was, like, a buckethead situation, right? Like, this is a way I can perform and have, like, some level of recognition of me as, like, a some, you know, some, oh, that's, like, the Jamiroquois hat thing, except it was there to, like, cover crippling anxiety, but it didn't work. Garcia
3: did. he- does this as well.
0: Yeah, but he quit right like he's even that wasn't working i guess he needed like a full bucket head like bucket head um and he kept writing songs for other people he had a song nominated for an oscar about five years ago um that he wrote for a movie he wrote a very catchy song that i loved quite a bit it was not surprised when i found out it was written by greg alexander by um michelle branch i think it may be like one of those featuring santana which is the game of love Have you ever heard that song no, I,
3: I I found out that he wrote uh, a songs for the is it Begin Again the Mark Ruffalo
0: movie? Yeah, yeah, that's where he was nominated for uh, an Oscar for one of the songs.
3: Yeah, that that's that's uh, I was like, oh, I was like, oh shit, I didn't know this movie, I forgot this movie existed. Literally ten minutes after it happened, but it's pretty cool that he got recognition literally five years ago by the Oscars.
0: Yeah, and he he so I mean like when he talks about my career is has been pretty good. He's talking about that he stayed a songwriter that uh, still wrote hits for a lot of other bands and not surprising. He has great pop sensibilities. I'm not surprised that that's where he ultimately went with his career, especially if he just ultimately didn't like performing himself. And he said that he continued to write like Greg Alexander slash new radical songs. And he says he has albums of albums of unreleased music that maybe one of these days he'll put out, but he also like, he he doesn't want it to just be like a, I'm trying to cash in or something like that. So he's not quite sure. In this interview, he's talking about like, I don't, I'm not quite sure what to do because I don't want to do a reunion. I don't want to go on tour. I don't want to be the new radicals again. He's like, if I wanted to, we've been offered obscene sum, subs of money to go on some of these like tours. And, but at the same note, I kept recording music. Some of the songs I gave to other people, some of them I just have fully produced. Um, and it reminds me a lot of like, um, Dan Wilson, the guy from Semisonic and stuff like that, these people with, like, these really catchy pop sensibilities that after their pop stardom or their band stardom waned, like, kept writing songs that everyone knows for big artists and stuff like that. And And
3: a lot of these guys are super prolific and, like, produce a lot, and there's all these jokes about how Tupac, you know... Uh, Tupac's still putting albums out 20 years after he's dead or whatever and like pr- like oh Prince is still putting albums out uh, in those two specific scenarios it was like I d- Prince specifically did not want that music put out and Tupac was just like he was fucking around and if he really thought that album was, that song was ready for an album he probably would have put it on
0: an album so yeah, like, these and- guys
3: you wonder if after they're gone there's gonna be some sort of like uh, you know retrospective album that's just like uh you know uh whoever survived them and worked with them for a long time goes back and and produces the missing pieces of, of their songs and makes an album out of it
0: Yeah. Well, you just have these like these these writers that became band members and became singers that it just like really write like perfect power pop or pop gems. Right. Like I mentioned Dan Wilson. We're talking about Greg Alexander. Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. Um, R.I.P. is a really good example of this that like. You know, he was writing great pop songs, power pop songs with Fountains Wayne, but he just was so prolific and so, like, good at it that he fucking wrote all the That Thing You Do songs, which we'll be talking about in a couple months, um, and, like, all the music for My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and stuff like that. Like, there's there's this thing where it's like, well, these people – you know, so many of the writers of the pop songs that we listen to – We never see, like, we see the pop performers and stuff like that, but it's nine nine writers in a room. Some of these guys that are these amazing producers of pop classics also have these stints with these bands. Some are short-lived, like the New Radicals. Some last a little longer, like Semisonic, and some are, are pretty much a part of the canon themselves, like a fountain of Wayne. So, like, that was, you know... So that was disappointing for me because, as a, as a kid, because I wanted that next New Radicals album, and uh, it you know I found out very quickly because basically by the time I had the album, the band had broken up, and there was you know because of how uh, how uh, his his severe panic attacks and just realizing that this was definitely not what he wanted to do, at least from a uh, like touring big band performer type. So you know as such, this kind of like this for me, this album existed as this like. um you know, he jokingly calls himself a one-hit wonder, uh, but, like, this one album wonder, this one kind of album that I loved that never had something for me to get sick of the artist and never had something for me to get sick of, like, uh, you know, even even bands I love to this day. Like, you know, sometimes, like, I'll listen to, like, a, I don't know if you're, like, a Lucero fan or something like that, where some of their more recent albums, you start listening, you're like, is this band not good? <laughs> like, was I really like the earlier stuff, but like, were they always not good? Did I just like bad modern rock songs? Because this new album is just like stuff I would have skipped past in 2003 in between, you know, this and that, uh, on the, whatever it was on the radio at the time. Yeah, now it's um, all filler. It's all filler, and it's like the kind of like embarrassing generic filler, like, uh, where it makes you question if like you have to go back and listen to like, 1372 Overton Park and like, no, 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 this is still good, but I can see where the seeds are a little more of where it was going to get bad. So, uh yes, that's so it was interesting that they reunited. It's um I, I like that, you know, his story doesn't end in some sort of, you know, sadness or something like that. <laughs> a lot of these he, guys heroin. Yeah, he just he just was like, I don't want to be um a pop star, but I will keep writing pop songs. And I, you know, he had a very he's had a very successful life and career doing that so yeah let's get to the stuff that uh is not so good because i have i have that too peter yeah I, I listen to this i'm not my my ears understand words so maybe i'll frame it up just so i can get out my own beatings of the thing i recommended to you if you don't yeah mind. yeah
3: you're also more familiar with it so uh it, it, yeah you, you probably have deeper grievances than i do or de- you, the, i don't the, know the if i have deep the, the ravines are deeper than than mine um even if you built a good bridge over them
0: yeah. So in general, I – and again, this goes from just how different it was from everything else I was listening to. Like in general, I really liked the lyrics to these songs when I was 15, mainly because they um, – there were so many lyrics, right? At a time when like – It is dense. It is so, – like it is – he is going – he is telling five-minute stories that have barely a chorus and – And there's a lot of clever turns of phrases and and, uh, evocative descriptions and a lot of things. It was so different than anything else I was listening to. And, you know, re-listening some of the stuff is funny and clever and interesting. And then some of it is the worst part of of like 90 edgelord hipsterism above it all. Like – and you know it from what you get, where you give, right? Like, where. And he talked about this a little bit because they didn't do the outro at the inauguration. And, you know, he writes this, like, I think, pretty much generally pop perfect song. Um, and the ending of that song is a weird rap where he rails against. Um, Courtney you Love know, and Marilyn Manson. Well, but fake like fake compute. Well, it's funny because so he produced and wrote all the songs on a Hanson album. He says like I had nothing against them. I just needed some rhyming words and and saying saying other bands' names was popular at the time. He's like I was yeah, annoyed he took with his the rest.
3: Bucket of it. hat and his grievances from rap music.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, he did call it a rap, so he knew what he was doing. But he's not snow, and I think that's important to note. This isn't twelve inches of snow, guys. <laughs> as such there's a lot of lyrics and a lot of them that can be picked apart as being a little bit uh, or a lot a bit uh embarrassing and i think you so you get what you give is a really great example of that where the ending can easily be cut off and make it i think just an overall better song even if i think the ending is kind of goofy and charming in retrospect but it also like, happens so
3: fast that like i i don't know i don't know how people actually caught it enough for it to cause a minor controversy at the time.
0: We just recorded an episode that will come out way after this. It's about, like, 90s paranoia and stuff like that. And I do think a lot of the lyrics here is that being stuck in a culture with no conflict, and I'm not saying there wasn't conflict or not things worth having more conflict about, like uh, rights for marginalized people and stuff like that. You know, the reason why the 90s are kind of seen as this kind of, like, everyone floating on NUE decade is because it's like post the 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 collapse of the ussr pre-9-11 things were on the surface generally good from an economy and a um from a, a unemployment rate and a financial situation and um you know the the, the, it felt like the future was unfolding around us as well, like and as such, uh, with with like the internet and all these things that were, you know, video games looking so real and <laughs> with a PlayStation One and stuff like that. It special effects and CGI happening, and now obviously on the surface level, all the things we know should have been more of a conflict about. Uh, you know, the institutionalized racism and, you know, homophobia and all, like, that's all there and all kind of gets swept under the rug in the 90s story. It's like, well, yeah, there's some, you know, there's some progress being made, and while that was true, it was, like, way too little too late and not anywhere near enough progress. So you had this, like, weird culture of, like, general paranoia, conspiracy theories and these these, like, things that got elevated to like, uh, you know, insane status, like uh, Oklahoma City, which was terrible and stuff like that. But it just ble- breeds these like paranoid, a uh, paranoid culture. And I think a lot of his lyrics that are most embarrassing are a combination of either like echoing that paranoid. I watch too much X-Files and worry too much about Y2K culture mm-hmm. um, combined with like, you know, the like his his line about cloning or something like that combined with um a little bit too much of like almost like embarrassing drug culture <laughs> like i there's two songs on the back half i i like quite a bit in general except the lyrics of like you know so and so just ran to get high or i just had to get high or she was getting high it's just like i get it like you yeah pot. it's You're-
3: also in 19 19- uh, so that is that is going back to what i was saying before that is like a byproduct of um how 70s 70s music 70s hippie post hippie music would um drop winking references about getting high and then lou reed would just be like fuck that i'm writing a song about waiting for my drug dealer fuck that horse with no name i'm writing a song called heroin because i do heroin (laughs) all the time (laughs) (laughs) and it gets good and it gets bad i'm gonna just say it (laughs) and then lou reed wrote these like He's like winding epics in the '70s about yeah. um, what it felt like to be a junkie, and like they're almost they're they're not quite as absurd as Burroughs, but they're as like heartfelt and personal. Um, and 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 it's one of those things where like uh, I I don't know if it's because the culture got more conservative after Reagan and a sort of cultural whiplash, but like. What felt very, uh, outre, uh, for, you know, maybe the seventies or, you know, maybe, maybe even in the nineties, um, now comes across as, uh, extremely boring. Cause you're just like, guys, like, but my, I, I, I'm pretty sure like half my family, uh, regularly smokes weed. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I it's just,
0: even even that like Gen Xer like what you saw in the movies at the time, right? Like you've seen '90s romance movies, right? They're all about like, <laughs> is love even real? What's the point of monogamy? My parents hated each other and they got married. Like, and then like a lot of the dramas, like, well, we've been uh you know smoking you know going to parties and doing drugs and maybe this person that i've been just having a good time with can love exist and then you say that you love that love that person and you're like that's what my dad said to my mom like we're going to do that your root like that energy of the 90s is very present in the lyrics to these songs
3: yeah yeah and also and also i don't i think the latter half of the album they they musically i'm fine with boring lyrics like bad bad lyrics are just like di- di- they're dime a dozen for pop music the point yeah. is that like can-, can you scream them in your car and is the, s- the the backing song good enough to drown it out like one of those two things has to be true like t-rex is one of my favorite bands ever and they very much were like a post 60s like we're gonna make fucking rock music about doing drugs yeah. and free love and stuff and then they um I think all died of heroin overdoses. Um, Yeah. uh, They wrote uh, some truly uh, uh, just fucking terrible, like whatever dribbled out of Mark Boland's mouth style lyrics. And they're one of my favorite bands, but they were pulling off some of the best guitar licks of all times with these like, with these with these amazing drum solos. And so like I don't actually care if your lyrics are pat or boring or stupid if the music is amazing and I don't and I think in the second half the construction of the songs it it doesn't it doesn't grab me in any particular so,
0: manner. So I I'm going to mildly disagree with you. Uh not in concept or that the the second half of the songs takes a little bit like I understand why they didn't grab you musically. They eventually did for me. You're not going to listen to it 50 times. I get it. There are better songs out there. Um, but I would say this. I think that these lyrics are still more – a little more cringeworthy than like a T-Rex stuff. Like uh, did you ever listen to like Sayer?
3: I love Sayer. yeah.
0: Yeah. I, do, Yays- I, love, I love Yaysayer, present tense. Yeah. Me too. Their their, their lyric – their music is fantastic. They are a great example of like a T-Rex thing. Where um, the lyrics are p- almost painfully uninteresting and generic. Like, you know, one of my favorite Yaysayer songs um, has that chorus that's just, be true to yourself, son. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, you, you could have thought of something more interesting than this. But it's ignorable. And I think what's different about this, why I think whether it's the ending of You Get What You Give gets called out a lot more or just other things, is it is so hyper-specific and detailed. It's it's mostly not bad in an ignorable way. It's bad in a, uh, like, hyper-specific, cringeworthy way. And so I think that's, even when the music's good, I think sometimes it's hard to ignore. Like, well, this is, might be a good segue to the first song, but the first song, which I fucking love, musically, and I think even, like, the lyrics and the singing is really good, um, opens and ends with two very embarrassing things that I just have to ignore. Um, and I've, I've listened to it so enough, I know the good stuff in there, but it ends with some girl saying, uh, or woman saying, um, you know, make my nipples hard, let's go. Which is, like, I'm not offended by that, but, like, that's how you're kicking off the New Radicals album? <laughs> like it yeah. just It seems like, um, I'm going to say that women have nipples that get hard, like, fuck you, mom. And like, it feels the worst kind of like embarrassing, uh, edgelord stuff. Can and I, that
3: wait, it, can I pause here really quickly? Well, hold on. We'll no go back. Sp- there's no other space for this. It's because remember for the techno episode, you not, not acid casuals. What was the acid Lords or
0: whatever? If we start a band, can we start a band called Acid Casual?
3: (laughs) I think there might already be one. Lords of 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 Acid, Acid. Lords the Casual Lords of Acid. Um, They had all that shit too, where they would start off songs with just uh, a woman saying something,
0: "Darling, come here, fuck me over here." Yeah,
3: yeah, and then uh, the song, and then there would just be spoken word segments of that over and over again. Judging by the bucket hat and the fact that I none, I didn't recognize any of the songs, I genuinely thought this was like more techno. Until, oh. and then that and the first eight seconds did not deter me from that because I thought.
0: But I, I bet was, once the guitar and the piano kicked in, you're like, oh wait a second. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This I sounds was, good. I was deferred
3: there at first, yeah. but I saw the bucket hat. I saw the yeah, cover. Right and I was like, "Oh, is this like a simian thing? Like it's like po- power pop techno, but also yeah. they're really horny because they're on <laughs> X, X all the time." Like yeah. there's there was no other place for me to park this, but like I have I have to tell you, I was like I I genuinely knew nothing about this band uh, going into it because it was just it's just stuff that was on the radio when I was I was you know nine or ten. Yeah, yeah, I get it.
0: Um, but yeah, but then it, uh, and, but then it still ends with that, like, uh, the weird, like, voicemail thing where it's, like, telephone number, please, social security, please, job, please, and I have read some interviews with Greg Alexander that he's, like, yeah, a lot of it is, like, painfully over, like, almost over sincere and, like, angry, but he's, like, we talked about, like, the health insurance you know the the rap at the end of you get we give is like health insurance ripoff, lying big bankers buying he's like i was really angry about all that stuff and it didn't quite fit with my music or my song sometimes but i felt like you know that that kind of almost um well-intentioned naivete where you're like i'm gonna do something about this even if it doesn't quite fit and so like i I don't like fault him. he's not like saying like you know impeach Clinton or something <laughs> like women suck like he his messages are good they're just wrong place wrong time and embarrassing embarrassingly simple and out of place for for the the songs that you're making
3: uh i absolutely yeah i i i absolutely agree and like i i think in the first half um I'm pretty I'm pretty into it. The song that that so there's two big singles off this album. OK, well, we, well let's go track for get. track.
0: Hold on. Hold on so we're on mother we can't just get enough which is a song that's still that's track one
3: that's a fun uh, like it's it's not quite a jam band thing because it always goes back to the melody which i think speaks to greg alexander's control over the band that and just would, general
0: like, pop sensibilities like,
3: yeah yeah he wasn't going for grateful dead he was going for you know more traditional rock music of this of the early 70s and like yeah it, 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 it yeah make my nipples hard let's go <laughs>
1: Speeding through my veins, now we hit the ground. There's something about
0: still, like, ends up on a lot of – when I'm doing, like, uh, upbeat background party mix, right? Like, not like a chill vibe, but, like, I want a good, good vibe stuff. This song ends up on a lot of those because I do think it is uh, – I love the guitar riff. I love when the piano comes in. I love the – I really do like – even though, like, Greg Alexander is kind of pi- – is not, is not a pioneer necessarily in, like, nasally falsetto singing. I really like – I, I like the vibe that it gives off. I do. I like his voice in relation to uh, how it works with the songs that he sings.
3: Sometimes I, it I, it, get, it
0: goes off, but...
3: I think any songs that really uh, center on him, um, they... That's that's an overgeneralization. I think a lot of songs that um, make him sort of have to croon out something that he thinks is clever or something that he thinks is a little, like, sexy or romantic tend to be kind of (laughs) embarrassing. Because, yeah, he has – this was the era where I think – this is the era where I think, like, rock bands got back to – you don't have to be a good singer, you just have to be passionate, and you have to not fucking ruin your vocal cords, right?
0: Like, I mean, I guess I should just admit that, like, not that it's like a bad thing, but my basically my favorite band in this era was Smashing Pumpkins. So the idea of an ELO Billy Corgan was appealing to me specifically.
3: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was thinking of Billy Corgan at times too, though. Billy Corgan has this is sort of drenched in the gothic that, like, that's what I said,
0: like, if, if, um, if Billy Corgan is, uh, is joy division greg alexander then <laughs> then then, uh, then greg alexander is elo billy corgan <laughs>
3: sorry my ears are bleeding
0: <laughs> but i think like if that was an sat I, question i think that math checks out i was out trying here. to
3: draw i was trying to draw a, uh, a, a a um series of connection points to uh to follow your analogy and i ended up just drawing a pentagram
0: <laughs> that's fine too <laughs> hail satan uh,
3: <laughs> hail satan um but yeah i e, e, yeah i'm I'm pretty but yeah i'm pretty into uh mother we can't just you can't yeah mother we can't just get enough i'm re- I, uh, because it's sort of yeah it's a big it's a big lush start to the album it's kind of weird when these albums start off super soft and gentle and i'm not saying like a 40 second instrumental track um i'm saying like it's kind of weird when yeah. they, they start off and they're like you're like we're going to let you know that we're sincere we're honest right at the start <laughs> we're, we're we we feel things men feel things did you know men can feel things um we're going to have to talk about our dick at some point though because like you know feeling I'm, I'm excited a little, I'm a little, little excited more.
0: to get to that song
3: um a little but, suspicious to be feeling things but I'm, I I, talk about I also dick, we're good.
0: I really liked um and this is a really good example of that, of the way he was able to, again, not not turn into a jam band, but he, most of the songs on this album do a really nice build uh, into, like, a crescendo at the, you know, like, so it gets, starts out very, like, uh, funky. I know that's probably, uh, feel free to laugh at me for saying, but, like, it has a good a riff funky. piano. But it just keeps building and building and building. And uh, I do like that about pop songs. What's the... What's the Rick Springfield song from uh, Wet Hot American Summer, which is a song that just keeps going up and up and up and up. And I'm like, why don't more pop like high enough? Uh, No, that's the fake one. Like the actual Rick Springfield one where they go into town. Love is all right tonight. Love
3: is all right tonight.
0: And then you think it gets really high and then it goes even higher and gets even like uh, bigger. Um, I really like that about pop music, like, as much as I like the quiet, loud, quiet type dynamic of, like, uh, and there's a little bit of that in this um, album. I like just, like, what if our pop songs start high and then never stop getting higher? And yeah. I, I think he does that a lot in this album.
3: Yeah, and... um and i think that uh that that leads to this sort of weird thing where uh, at some point he does have to slow down and when he slows down too much you're like uh oh uh, what are we yeah. doing here i like, hope i
0: didn't just give away the ending yeah don't slow down that much man
3: so i, I so there's two songs i'm gonna relate here i hope i just uh well,
0: well, didn't well, no we're going track by track so let's do you get what you give next
3: big well, single that's the single i love um and that's the single that's like i think pitchfork put it as like 100 on their top 200 songs of the 90s or whatever like it's a yeah. fairly it's a fairly well recognized perfect radio pop hit because like it both balances it both balances like yeah power pop sensibilities with like it's 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 very hooky. Like the guitars are very hooky. Um, They're hooky, but it also
0: like um, it moves I can fast see why I...
3: enough that you don't care, you don't care that sometimes yeah. him dropping like references like Mercedes Benz is like, are you are you trying to be cool like a rapper? Like what's your I mean, what's yeah? Your end game I, I, here?
0: I think I think that's the right like 1998 sensibility, even if it's embarrassing now. But uh, I also really like it, um, it. And this isn't me describing it. And I never really thought it this way. But like when I was reading about why it was Bo Biden's favorite song and a bunch of other stuff that it was, uh, it was a song about depressing optimism that, um, you know, like the opening lyrics are, you know, age 14, they got you still on your knees. You're so polite, polite. You're still uh, saying please. And that idea of like, how do you like with a world that sucks? How do you try to make something good? How do you find your voice? How do you do that? Um, 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 and that, you know, even when you're, uh, you know, the, uh, the trees feels like it's breaking, just bend, like, you know, and that you can do these things. And like, it's, it's a pap, it's a pap pop message, um, <laughs> which is now my favorite sentence I've ever said. But, uh, like it's, it's, I think it's like, I can get why, I mean, I, I feel enlivened anytime i hear the song it's a song it's a bizarre song for me that if i if i if i went and found my old cd collection and found every song i used to listen to at this time i probably wouldn't find one that i still enjoy as much as i enjoy this song like legitimately enjoy listening to could hear it on the radio could hear it in a movie could hear it in any capacity and i wouldn't be like oh skip it
3: Yeah, it's it's got a gleeful sense of of fun where like it it, it doesn't feel self-conscious, which is I think that the album becomes more self-conscious in its second half and like where the lyrics become more like he's he's trying to be cool. And this I feel him getting lost. And when you get lost, you stop holding on to this like self-conscious sense of ego and and when he loses himself in in his ego or he loses his ego in sort of the revelry that's when it gets fun which is also like that was like the, the good post 60s hippie music was like people getting actually like lost in the revelry like no sense of irony no sense of 90s like detachment like just straight up like pop music like I want to make you happy. This makes me happy. And like, that's why it's a good single is because it's like, it's on a, it's genuinely someone's sharing something with us and it's, they're sharing something that has like a propulsive power to it. So yeah, like agreed. Great that's what, that's what music, I'm glad that's what this is the one for. of the two hits that you like. That's Courtney that's Ray. what music's for, right? Like you're, you shared something with me. It resonated with me. Even if like, you know, I don't agree with all the lyrics or whatever. I don't, I don't think Courtney Love should, Get her ass kicked by Greg Turkington or whatever his name is, Greg Alexander. I don't I mean, think
0: I, so. I, I I I don't know who would win a fight between Greg Turkington and Greg Alexander, but I think <laughs> it would be evenly matched.
3: <laughs> they would both end up dead because they would from exhaustion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, after eight um, seconds, they would both have to
3: be put on an IV. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, but I, again, I, I I do. I mean, the vibe is very 1998, that kind of sunny optimism in a pessimistic world. But I think it generally. Uh, still works. Uh, Song number three, Peter, is, I hope, uh, I didn't just give away the ending.
1: She wanted to be a nun until the fade. To fix an in-game of Russian roulette I burned my Beatles records cause she hated number nine she licked her cocaine suckers laugh said her mom's doing mine are you an illusion or am I just getting stone? cause I can't Give away the ending
0: Start a the hand this to song, this is the song to my dad read to me um uh, <laughs> which we'll get into in a sec uh again, but um, I really liked so it has a opening like two minutes. did you have to read
3: just, read uh the oh yeah 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 uh uh yeah, yeah, uh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's not, that's not that's that's not in the song. This is the oh my world my like that's this. Um, so I, and not then again, in the kind of song. No, it's a, you're thinking. I think of a different song. This is the no, one. It, says it does I've have a. Two- Don't
3: give away the ending. I'm looking at the lyrics page. Oh,
0: oh yeah. Sorry. I so th- what I was talking about. This has a two minute intro that kind of builds into kind of mellow piano music to kind of cacophony. Oh, uh, right. um, and I really liked that at the time. I never really heard a song that did that and then just moved into the song. And, I'm again, not to try to compare this to a much better song, um, but it does remind me a lot of, like, why I always listen to the beginning of What Would I Want Sky, because I really like that, just as a concept. Like, this kind of thing that starts out uh, slow and, um, um, and noisy and gets louder and louder and then just builds into a, a perfect, like, pop song. It's like an this explosion. Is not a- yeah, this is not a perfect pop song, but this does have that same. I mean, structurally, they're essentially the exact same, and I I do mean that. Like, it starts out mellow, gets louder and louder until he's screaming and barking things, and then it just turns into a pop song. Um, so, uh, this. So yes, what I'm saying is that what would I want? Sky is directly influenced by. I hope I didn't give the with the ending. So Peter, yes. So the lyrics of this are the ones that I definitely, like, I liked it as a 15-year-old, right? Because it seems adult and mysterious because it's just, like, this story of uh, this guy and this girl who, like, do drugs and shoot porno films and (laughs) sleep together and uh, maybe they're right for each other, maybe they're not, no one has talked about their feelings type stuff. But just for posterity, uh, (laughs) this this is what it was like for me. I mean, I guess the... The first verse is appropriate. She wanted to be a nun until the fateful day we met. I beat the crucifix in a game of Russian roulette. Oh, that's nice. I burned my Beatles records because she hated number nine. She licked rock cocaine suckers, laughed, said her mom's doing mine. Is this what you like listening to, Aaron?
3: (laughs) I told her dealer I was broke. He hired a cameraman. We did a porno film for Coke. I hear I'm big in Japan. Is that what you like, Aaron? Is that what you like? Uh, he
0: he read the entire, the whole song to me. And at the, and I had to keep saying, I guess, no. <laughs> like, I, I wasn't saying yes, but I was like, uh, no, I mean, I didn't know that was the lyrics. I just liked the song. I like, like, uh, yeah. So that, this song has a very weird place in my head of like my dad yell, yell criticizing me about all the lyrical choices.
3: Uh, apparently it ends with her killing herself. So that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty brutal. I didn't catch that when I was just listening to the song. Uh, did your dad like the part where she shot up cyanide? Seems bad.
0: I mean, she, I guess I didn't know what cyanide was at the time. Um, um, uh, (laughs) I did, this first time I realized it ends in a suicide. Well, that's a bummer. I kind of liked it as just the ending of like, cause I, I, this song uh, Isn't that the point r- is
3: that he's sort of saying he's sort of like letting you know this is gonna end tragically uh, before yeah,
0: I thought there. it ended tragically in that they w- didn't they of course didn't end up together because he's like, because I can't take it alone. you know.
3: Yeah. I think I think okay, so this song and uh, we'll come back to it, but like this song and Jehovah made me made this whole joint for you. Uh, I feel like are sibling songs, and they're sort a of little him. bit. They're sort of him.
0: One's pessimism and one's optimism, and like but
3: they're uh, both they're both the, the '90s style that like is literally half of that fucking Third Eye Blind album. Both of them are in the '90s style where they're just like, I'm gonna tell you a song about a fast relationship I had with a girl. That girl might be heroin. That might that girl might be a woman. That that gr- that's that girl also might be heroin and a woman. If I get very <laughs> confused, um, and and this song is like I like both of them, even though it's like at that point I I do like this song, yeah. but they're both yeah. kind of about like we're both we're both fucked up, but we managed to carve out a space
0: for each other in this weird world. Yeah, I agree, and I I really liked that. You know, like I uh, I liked uh, upon relisten, I like just. Again, I like the pessimistic, sunny optimism of Jehovah made this whole joint for you a little better. And I think musically it's more interesting. And I think it's a little funnier, especially funnier knowing that it's about how politicians are bad. Uh, Joe Biden's favorite band. Um, (laughs) But uh, also Joe Biden, who like up until eight seconds
3: ago and probably still was not for decriminalization of marijuana. And half of these songs are about getting high. Sorry, half is a gross understatement. Every single one of these songs is about smoking. Someone
0: whiskey. gets high somewhere in every song. Um Yeah, I like this song. It's It'd like be a uh, song about
3: his mom's funeral, and he'd be like, stepped outside to smoke a joint.
0: But I, I still enjoy it. I again I I think that and this goes for a few of that. I think he's a good lyricist that writes bad lyrics. Like I think uh, partially because he was, you know, in his late 20s and it was 1998. But I really, like, I like the story structure of his songs. I think that, hypothetically, with a little more maturity and a little more editing, I think he could have written some really, some songs that, um... Uh, g- give the same kind of mood from how detailed and how specific the lyrics are without being as embarrassing. I actually think well, this you one. Well, still write
3: songs and, like, you know, the, the songwriters get credited. So we probably, if we wanted to, we could do a follow up episode that is just like. 12 I mean, it's songs possible that he wrote from you know 1998 to 2020 or 2015 or whatever. He, I mean, he wrote it's also
0: song. possible he's only gotten worse at this because this is where he made like. It's possible that he stayed in, like, you know, those 50 year olds that are still try to be a little edgy. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, do
3: you mean the? Do you mean Billy Joe Armstrong from the band
0: Green Day? Do you mean all of Gen X? Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. So I'm, I'm, but I am saying that like.
3: I just think it's the, totally normal to write a bunch of love songs well into your 50s about how much you love a 16-year-old.
0: Yeah, that guy's doing good, I think.
3: <laughs> I hope you yeah. realize that picked her up from soccer practice has a very different connotation once you turn Which 40. album are you talking about? <laughs> For just, Green Day? Yeah. I'm saying from American Idiot
0: onward, they got more and more embarrassing. Do you think so here's what I'm I'm concerned of and i haven't listened to it in a long time i'm suspicious that american idiot is still really good
3: uh i think even at the time i thought it was like i liked the um the provocation of it but there was so much better anti-bush
0: music out there oh see see i liked i didn't care about the like the the don't want to be an american idiot stuff wore off really quickly i was much more into this idea of the uh, the rock opera stuff and the like the sweets that repeated throughout it and stuff like that and the story part of it.
3: Yeah, none of that none of that interested me, but also at the time I hated musicals. So, I mean, I, I probably was actively working against
0: whatever. it probably was like if, if if it was probably the maybe you've got brainwashed to for me for 2004 and how much I listened to it.
3: But yeah. anyway, I'm going to uh, beg you from. We're like uh, the it. fucking we're, John Turturro and Miller's. We're process. definitely doing it. We're not.
0: We're not, we're doing not fucking we're doing Green doing Day. Please. I, uh, I don't want to die anymore. <laughs>
3: song where um i think i don't want to die anymore it
0: sounds uh, like you're starting a report you didn't study for <laughs> uh
3: well no I, I just listened to it and i didn't take any notes so i'm actually act i'm actively trying to 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 codify what i'm doing or oh, usually right. when we're talking about the movie like i've already kind of decided how i feel yeah. um 90 of the way um i don't want to die anymore is one i actually really like uh because it's it's um it's 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 a it is a song about like what you were talking about like it's optimism through the darkness um mm-hmm. and it's like it's a feeling that I've felt very much in my life where you will be like low key suicidal for a long period of time and then all of a sudden um All of a sudden, I'll, like, I'll find some moment, like, a a flash, a lightning flash in my life, and I'll be like, oh, like, I need to reassess how I engage with my world, and, like, that's, it's a pretty simple song, just about, like, being sad and being angry, but, um in that it's actually it's actually like lyrically like super simple like he repeats himself in choruses yeah. a lot more and the verses repeat themselves a lot more than um in any of the other songs or the other songs he's sort of treated as a rap song where like i, I i'm not gonna I, it's almost a ballad or a rap song where you're like this is a running story this is a running tally like i can't repeat myself more than the chorus
0: yeah, and I, even though this one also has, like, a lot of build, like, a lot of the songs in here, this one starts super soft, and I think I really like the way the the music matches the lyrics. It is very simple lyrics, comparatively. It's that kind of, like, you know, uh, two years of uh, two months of fun, two years of shame, like, add it up, what do I have, and then, like, getting out of it. And then, like, the very ending is, is like, almost jo- like a joyful explosion, so I... I I always like when um, lyrics match uh, musical tone, especially if it evolves throughout the song. So uh, I, I I really liked the song uh, in, when I was 15. I, I still like it quite a bit today. Um, my second favorite song in the album is the next one, which is after um, – well, maybe my third favorite. I Like just generally, I guess how much I still listen to him today, it would be uh, – uh, you get what you give and mother uh, we just can't get enough uh, but Je- Jehovah made this whole joint for you is probably my third favorite to this day uh- Think it's one of the only like I'm ain't I a stinker lyrics that I find is kind of funny because it's kind of describing a very complicated person and, and 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 does have some legitimately funny stuff in there where I think most of his lyrics comedy fall a little flat. I also really like like this, this doesn't feel like ELO to me, this feels like Three Dog Night, and I really uh I just really like this song, it's very fun.
3: Yeah, I actually really <laughs> like it, even though it is like um let's get serious for a minute everyone but it's after a bunch of very fun wild sort it's it's sandwiched between a bunch of very fun wild big big pop songs that might have like some sad sort of uh a sad ending um but like in this era like they're just big rock songs right like you're like oh man that guy really feels a lot of feelings doesn't he anyways on to the next one (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, and I—I mean, in general, I just like the—I like the general tone of just like you know, uh, isn't it wonderful to be alive? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too. um, Um, Yeah. Uh, So track six, someday will know. Let me just get out of the way. Look.
1: miles outside Chicago, can't stop driving, I don't know why, so many questions, I need an answer, two years later you still on my mind, whatever happened to Amelia Earhart, who holds the star-
0: see why it's like a it's a pop ballad that's what they do right especially in the 90s i'm sure they do they do it today too but i don't know because i guess i don't follow as much what singles are getting released from songs you don't order are up to but uh yeah that you do kind of the the upbeat song first and then you do the ballad second it's the third eye blind with uh with semi-chart life to uh how's it gonna be it's the matchbox 20 with push to uh uh, what what was the what was the other song? The next song? I don't know. Not nah, so good. Um, <laughs> examples go on and on. <laughs> um, I like the song when the album came out. It's the perfect song for a fifteen-year-old uh, because it is about why all the girls you have crushes on <laughs> don't like you back, and maybe you'll figure it out someday. Uh, it is my least favorite song on the album as a thirty-seven-year-old.
3: It is, okay, it's a a song that I grew up with for sure. Um, I hate it for a menagerie of reasons. Um, One of which is that this was the song that I think my, I'm actually sure which sister, it must have been Natalie, who's 10 years older than me. She had
0: so many. Natalie can't be 10 years older than you.
3: Yeah, she's 10 years older than me.
0: Isn't Charlie the oldest?
3: No, it's girl, boy, girl, boy. Nellie is 10 oh. years older than me, Charlie is 7, Elise is 5, and I'm got year, it. years older than you.
0: Got it. Because I'm like, well, how can, if, if Charlie's the oldest,
3: uh, No. Charlie no, no. and
0: I are the same age, I'm not 10 years older than you.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so I do have siblings that are older than you. Um, I have talked oh, to okay. people that are older than you. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: all right well you um, know it's just it's just a harsh truth to come out on a sidecast five years into this podcast go on <laughs>
3: um okay so uh natalie and i wish i had these like for for historical reasons she um when she was driving on her Altima or whatever she used to have these mix cds and yeah um she would drive me to places because she was 10 years older than me so like sometimes my yeah. mom needed me to fucking she needed her to fucking drop Drop me off places, as you probably know. um When you got a car, I imagine you were shuttling some of your siblings
0: around. Nah, fuck them.
3: Oh, okay. Um,
0: no, I'm I'm sure I did.
3: Yeah, but uh, but the, but yeah. So, but uh, we would have these mixes, and like there were songs that I would sing along with to Natalie, and mm-hmm. there were songs that I was like, please skip, please skip, and then she would purposefully like turn the music up louder and like slap my hand away when I tried to um change yeah. the song. And this was one of them because it was a song that I hated back then. The sing-songy structure of it is very annoying to me. It reminds me of, um, I th- one of my least favorite songs, which happens to be on like one of my top five favorite albums of all time, um, which is uh, "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow."
2: Um, <laughs> oh yeah, which is off of Rumors. I
0: fucking hate that song so much. It's so that bad. was, I could, I would love to. We should do if we had like a countdown type episode. I'd love to do. A show about um, all the great bands uh, we thought we hated because of the song. Like, I fucking thought I hated Bruce Springsteen because of Streets of Philadelphia. I thought I hated uh, Fleetwood Mac because of Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. I thought I I I hated
3: Jefferson Airplane because of Jefferson Starship.
0: Yeah, I thought I hated... uh, (laughs) We already talked about one, right? Elton John and uh, the remake of Candle in the Wind for Princess Diana. Like, uh... Yeah, there's there's so many of those where it's like the whatever song you heard on the radio that was played over and over. You're like, oh fuck, I hate this shit.
3: Yeah, and I I I, uh, I hated this song back then. Um, for that, uh, uh, "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow" is a song that, like, I think other ruins a otherwise perfect album in Rumors. I think that this is when the album starts. I started to turn on the album a little bit because. It's not that the songs after this in a rational sense, it's not that the songs after this all of a sudden got shitty. It's that this was the song that woke uh, woke me up to um, the, the um, songwriting weaknesses of uh, Greg Alexander and uh, made me have to like I, I, I like listen to the second half Enjoyed bits and pieces and then i was like wait do i hate this album then i listened to the first half or i listened to the the album a second time and i was like no i actually really liked the first half it was after this i listened to this song that i started to turn on him um and the 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 issue with the song is that um it has this sort of uh this ben
0: folds quality this elton john quality um but it's it has it has extremely like I don't I, I know what you're talking about. It's not just Sing Like, don't stop thinking of tomorrow as Sing This has almost like uh you're being patronized. I feel like, like, like I'm being talked...
3: teased, like by a by a, a mean piano clown.
0: Yeah, like uh it's true. channel uh, just once. It's like wait. <laughs> See? What do you... it's, it's Pennywise shit. Yeah. What are you trying what are you trying to say to me? <laughs> like, are you <laughs> mocking me? You're saying it. It's it's um, also like it's
3: also it's it's one of those it's it's not his fault. One thing is not his fault. Everything else is his fault. It's that I I have grown very tired of the uh the the uh, whiny white men singing about how a girl won't love him songs. Like I, I I, I know yeah, that's I mean, a that's feeling most that's legitimate. Songs, like okay. w- white people are allowed to feel sadness. Um, please write in if you think that's not correct, uh, and I'll I'll update my thinking. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the. I- Like I I said, it it is
0: a perfect song for a 15-year-old,
3: right? Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
3: But for a 10-year-old and a 30-year-old, absolutely not.
0: No, and, like, I can understand, like, Natalie, when she was driving around to this song, right? Like, she was, if she, She was
3: probably 16 on the button. Yeah, so, line. like,
0: yeah, I'm sure she was wondering why some guy didn't didn't like her, and that idea of, like, these are mysteries we won't know, hopefully we'll find out why yeah. you weren't meant for me. Like, Because even but, somebody uh, who's, like,
3: successful in love and seems to always get their way, like, pe- everybody can relate to the experience of, like, oh, I just wish they would notice me, I wish they would love me, like, or, oh, I got broken up with. Like, everyone can relate to the experience of, like, that ended sooner than i would have liked or that never started
0: yeah and what they hadn't discovered was the phil collins song i don't care anymore which i think is much better when you're (laughs) dealing with that at 15
3: yeah yeah there's a lot of great songs about there's a lot of great songs about it um that i i think don't come off in that sort of as you say patronizing tone um and this
0: so much of of music that we love at that age and hopefully we grow out of It's based around, like, um, wallowing in your own uh, misery. I guess it's fine. Although, you know, it's also where we get, like, MRAs and stuff like that. So you just have to watch out how much you wallow. Like, you gotta... It's okay to be brokenhearted. It's okay to get through a bad relationship if you're, like, uh, women are... If you're listening to women are bad songs, uh, you know that can be that can be bad it's it's the high fidelity thing right like was I was I was I um, was I miserable because I listened to pop music there's so many songs about wallowing or feeling like superior to your misery or trying to show the person that hurts you that someday you'll figure this out and this is one of those songs and thankfully it's not a album full of these songs which a lot of albums uh, are and were but uh, but it's uh yeah it's it's kind of embarrassing, I don't
3: like yeah, that. yeah, I, I but also like aesthetically, I'm just more comfortable this is this speaks to my aesthetics, which is you know purely subjective, if you're gonna wallow, i'm gonna need distorted guitars, i'm gonna need maybe a, a there's a, good wallowing a music minor, a, a minor There's not embarrassing wallowing music i love i love a lot of wallowing music but there's something about there's something about the gentleness of like new order or jesus and the mary chain like there's something about that era or even a lot of nick cave stuff that doesn't feel um like it's a direct pipeline into men's right activism but there's something <laughs> about there's something about alt rock in the 90s about uh you know well, I'm just a sad guy, and I didn't. I didn't get the girl this time. Like, there's something about that t- that to me just feels like a pipeline. But goth music, which probably created more MRAs, like in, in terms of scope, it feels like gentler and sweeter about it. They're like, I didn't get what I wanted this time. Am I ever gonna get what I want? That sort of dynamic yeah, is is uh, that's, life. that's like that's poetry. There, I was there's, teasing there's... earlier that white men aren't allowed to feel sadness, but like I'm, I I that there there is something there where it's like how much how do you express that sadness and do you do it in a way where it's it's constructive uh and also do you make a good song around it?
0: Yeah, I do think like you I think even the falsetto and the tone here, I think you take it like six clicks to the left or whatever you want to put on a dial of like musical modulation and you get skinny love and you go, that's a good wallowing song with falsetto (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. And
3: And skinny love is kind of wistful about a past. Like, Skinny love is like, like we had something beautiful, but we don't have something beautiful going forward. How do I parse those two? Exactly.
0: So there's definitely good wallow music. There's definitely good falsetto wallow music. Um, this is not it. So, uh, yeah, maybe even brainwash wash too.
3: Like uh, jam bandy nonsense, and it felt like it was like a it, it was like a consideration to the fact that he had built built belt uh, built a pretty strong um, set of musicians for this this album, and he was like, we just need to have a song where we're just we're just going at it.
0: So here's what's really funny about this song, and I, I don't get into too much detail. There is pages of like this has so many lyrics to this song. And the lyrics are interesting. I remember reading the lyrics and getting to it and I was thinking it was going to be like I hope they don't – I hope they didn't just give away the ending song where it just starts with uh, like blabby stuff and then gets into the the actual song except it never does. So I like – I enjoyed listening to this in the sense that like I didn't skip it either time and I was fine with it and I liked it at the – Uh, At 15, which normally this would be the kind I I didn't really like jam band stuff normally would be the stuff that I would have skipped. Like I said, I know uh, this is easy to get dunked on, but for me personally, like I can see why, like, he's not not singing, he's just kind of singing mumbly stuff that I was like, is this played backwards? And I can see where it got into weird. It's not a straight line, but it's like six. Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon from where I got into other music later on. Like, the connection I had with this is like, oh, I can see why this was a little bit of a progenitor for me for, like, liking an Animal Collective type band.
3: Yeah, and um, there, is, there is lyrics in the again, middle. Again, not a straight, straight line. Up. There are lyrics in the middle that are straight up nonsense.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: and I want to direct you to a particular lyric. I am the bim bum bim aaron is this the kind of music you want to be exposing yourself to exposing your little brothers and sisters to Ooh, make me wild yeah you and me my only desire is to hide what's a bim bam bum aaron
0: well clearly you haven't seen the apple dad (laughs) then you know what the bim Bim is the way bim's the way um all right let's get hold on we cannot we cannot cannot go down an apple pathway hey 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 Boom is the way um hold on maybe you've i'm just getting to the last few songs um, you make me feel wild yeah you make me feel child ooh but there's you actually lyrics wild. you should look up the lyrics to this song that were in the book and be like oh weird uh so in the need in need of a miracle is a great song when you've listened to the album 50 times and you want a new new radical song <laughs> um Gotta Stay High is actually a song. Besides the lyrics, I really like musically. It's it's like the shortest song in the album, I think, and it's like I really like the you know the something about you pushing me, but like I, I like it musically.
3: Uh, and Need of a Miracle uh, commits one of the greatest pop commits one of the greatest pop uh, crimes imaginable, which is having an entire verse that uh, almost always ends with love. Like, you've been taking my love, you've been breaking my love, you better start making my love, because I'm in need of a miracle. You've been taking my love, you've been breaking my love, because <laughs> they know the word love. Oh, is that why, Is, is the, the, hold on, is that is, why you
0: hate Lin-Manuel Miranda? Because that's kind of his thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, not not the love thing, but where he, um, purposely, like, in Moana, how does it, like, I, I always use that as, like, uh, this is, like, his move that works really well, but, like
3: he's he it, 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 he'll have the same number it's not i it's not iambic pentameter but he'll have the same number of, of of beats in a thing and then end with the the same
0: word so. well he'll yeah he'll he'll yeah, exactly like i know everyone on this island has a home on this island like he'll he'll do that he'll instead of rhyming a word he'll repeat the same word over and over. yeah and I actually and
3: really, if i was i really like moana let's get that on the
0: record um you hate Mo, but like that's his move right where instead of rhyming he built he takes a word and keeps saying it over and over as a way to like build the structure around it which uh i like in stuff like hamilton and in moana um but it I, he, greg Alexander's doing a little bit in this song i like the course so like i said this is a pleasant inoffensive I enjoy listening to it. It. Just, it. It, it
3: just feels like it's a repeat of what he's already done Agreed. previously. Like he's talking about, I took a train to Detroit. That sounds just like the lyric where he's talking about like 90 miles outside of Chicago. Yeah. Um, someday we'll You're Like he's, it's, it feels like he's writing songs on a tour bus and, and sometimes that can be charming. Like a lot of Ben Folds stuff sounds like he wrote stuff on a, on a tour bus out of Um, curiosity did you you like
0: ben folds or no
3: uh yeah i think i i would have to i would have to listen to i would have to be forced to listen to ben folds again but like i have nothing but warm memories for that era because like that was like some of the earliest music that like my whole family and i would like and like and like it was one of the first songs i remember being like Sometimes being sad is beautiful. Like that's that's a good memory for me. I think. We should. Um, I'd be interested to
0: do some of those on this at some point. Um,
3: I say forced because like it's just not my it's not my bag anymore. But I'm not saying I would hate it.
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I don't listen to Ben Folds all that often anymore. Like it. it I've in the same way that sometimes I've thrown on like a Bare Naked Ladies mix is like, Oh, here's song a bunch of songs that I liked at a certain time. Oh, I but hated not...
3: Bare Naked Ladies. But continue.
0: Uh yeah. Uh I, Ben Folds is better. Uh and also Ben Folds got really bad and, and Bare Naked Ladies also got really, really bad. Everyone did. Um, the, the,
3: sh- the all of our all of our heroes uh wrote bad albums later. The Arcade Fire is currently putting out very bad albums. Um the a fucking the shins put out like two perfect albums and then they put out nothing but garbage after that
0: uh so gotta stay high i do really like the lyrics are again the lyrics are uh, i just had to stay high which is embarrassing just
3: really he really likes that marijuana but musically it's good something that now old people in illinois take for their glaucoma (laughs)
0: push forward though to the other the only other song i really want to talk about
3: reminds me of like ten. in high school i'd hear songs that were like there, there, there were songs that were like shot 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 shots or like songs about like how how good beer was and i'm like guys i have had one shot ever and i already think this song is garbage <laughs> <laughs> like i remember like the 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 fetishization of like base level drugs is just very corny to me. I don't think any drug should be fetishized, but I'm just saying like there's a rock and roll thing, but like isn't Except there, Lou isn't there supposed Reed's to be sort of heroin. thing where like I haven't I haven't done I haven't done heroin and Lou Reed telling me about what it's like to be on heroin all the time in New York in the 70s, like that is I want to, I want him to bring his stories to me, but like I don't want to know what it, I, I don't I, I don't care what like a guy a guy in detroit doing weed
0: Do, pop, pop, getting,
3: getting but i, I don't think i don't think it's real i the,
0: getting hold on i on don't think cheese. it's really about doing weed yeah he's getting th- geeked no i think it's late because it's it's gotta it's that kind of like um like when i it's it's not like interesting lyrically It's actually one of, like, his shortest songs, lyrically. It's just that, like, it almost feels like I didn't have a line for this, so I might as well say something that might grab a 14-year-old listening, because it's, like, you know, it's just unrelated stuff about, like, things going on, and then, like, I just had Like, then it's like, I guess I just had to get high. (laughs) Like, it's like, oh, does that have anything to do with the rest of the song? I would posit no, Peter. (laughs) anyways it's it's i like it musically though
3: yeah um i I, i'm not into it um fine
0: we gotta talk about the next song though so this song uh which i've always thought is very funny it's not bad it's not good musically it's just there uh it's technicolor level love sorry it's technicolor lover which is track 10 this song so funny.
3: It's because they, they realized that the words Technicolor and Lover sort of rhyme, and then they wrote a song around it.
0: No, I don't think you listen to it close enough. This is the one where it's um uh where it's about Technicolor Lover means that they had Technicolor hair, and he keeps saying, "Uh, I swear I have much more down there if you touch my big, and then it goes, oh! Like it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't. So she has a it doesn't say, doesn't say big dick, but oh, okay. it's like it's the technical. Alone. I swear, I got lots more down there. If you touch my big, mm.
3: and like, she said, I come from a world that is so far out. I think she just. I don't think she came from a world that is so far out. I think she was she from Akron, Ohio, from a and world. she did. Bleed. But
0: here's why I think it's funny. Here's why I think it's funny, Peter. Just shut up for a second. <laughs> Um, why I think it's funny I'm already is I, w- now I'm talking I would love the in the onions version of Joe Biden, Diamond Joe, uh, when he said he wanted the new radicals to reunite, they played this song. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wait, the new radicals reunite after twenty two years to talk about his big dick and his fucking <laughs> rainbow pubes. What? Uh, I feel you like know new the radicals. They're discussion. back, and he's like, uh, she said, where'd you get that technicolor hair? I said, I got lots more down there. If you touch my big." And Joe Biden just rocking out, maybe spraying his fucking thunderbird or whatever with a Do host. you think
3: do you think that diamond joe from uh the onion the onions version of of diamond joe who's a beer guzzling pontiac gt driving <laughs> like work, working class hero dash goofball do you think that that image
0: helped him get elected
3: hold on did you did i think the onion did you read the elected.
0: interview with the guy that that wrote those articles no, when uh, the pri- so when the primary was happening, he expressed a bunch of regret about making him this like lovable uncle in an area, an era of like that he may get the um, nomination over an actual like progressive candidate who could make a difference, or in lieu of the allegations that like by making him Diamond Joe, like they accidentally like um, they accidentally made him a lovable figure without like. That his flaws could be evil, easily uh, plastered over. It's also why, like, if you read the Onion now, they don't do the Diamond Joe stuff anymore.
3: Yeah, I mean, also like, it, it, it's it's weird to have a version of him that is like clearly in opposition to reality. But back then, yeah. at that time, uh, Joe Biden was a retiring politician. He was a he was a sunsetting politician that could have left the Senate whenever he wanted. And he uh, he had already made both made both of his name and also his infamy um, by in the Anita Hill hearings and like various various moments and plagiarizing
0: of like a speech in the 80s when he was running for president and stuff.
3: Yeah, and he, he'd already made some infamy. But like the thing is, yeah. at the point that he joined the Obama administration, he kind of uh, both he watered it him down himself and the administration watered him down to just be like yeah. here's a white guy
0: grandpa has, joe has
3: some working class bona fides who uh you know it y- won't scare guys in georgia or florida or whatever right yeah um and so he was easy to like we need to find something to riff on this guy and so boom like let's make him the exact opposite of what he is because like he's mostly just having these goofy gaffes and who would someone who has all these goofy gaffes be and like the the funny thing is like joe biden is like a teetotaler and like a staunchly religious dude (laughs) like yeah he's like he's like a true catholic um it's it's just it's it's pretty um it's pretty sad that they had to like basically come out and, and like do a retraction. That like our political system works in such a way that they're like, "Well, this guy's a recognizable name, so he stormed ahead in every single primary."
0: Yeah, like, but that uh, the the creator of the Diamond Joe character in the Onion was like, "I totally regret it." <laughs> yeah, now that's how everyone thinks of him. Uh, yeah, so that's. Uh... But anyways, Diamond Joe would have played the song about the rainbow pubes. Absolutely.
3: And it's also very funny that they had him as this guy who was like drinking beer out of the out of a cooler in the back of his Pontiac GT, but he's like uh <laughs> he's like a teetotaler um because of addiction shit in his, in his family like
0: yeah understandably yeah
3: like I, no this is not me making fun of him but it's just it's very funny that they came up with this ridiculous version of him and then all of a sudden like we got very acquainted with like boring old Joe and we're like well, yeah I guess that's it, it, better it re- than whatever we got
0: right <laughs> now sure it reminds Sh- me so much of that Onion article because like George W. Bush was the candidate that everyone wanted to have a beer with and they like uh They had that article that was like, uh, uh, actual person who got to have a beer with George W. Bush finds it extremely awkward. Like, oh, I guess he quit drinking 20 years ago because he had a problem. (laughs) Like, like, uh... Yeah, he had a
3: beer, he had a a booze and coke problem back in the day. And so, like, I... He got a
0: DUI when, like, in the 70s, as uh, I think one of Al Franken's books said... You know how hard it was to get a DUI in the 70s? Uh, Jesus. The last two songs, I don't really feel a point in talking about. It. I like both of them. Uh, these are the two that I feel like sound the most, like, radio heady. Flowers and Crying Like a Church on Monday.
3: Flowers feels like uh, 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 the most obvious early 70s riff, and the lyrics are just, like... Absolutely atrocious on that level, or just like, what do I think? As somebody who was born in 1970 and didn't experience any of this, what do I think it was like to be a freewheeling spirit in Southern California in the 1970s?
0: But it does have like that. Uh, what's the song that opens in Rainbows? Why am I, uh, we were just talking something about something fish? In rainbows. It's just I weird. know,
3: oh, uh, Weird Fishes, we, yeah.
0: Weird yeah, so the way that song uh that song that opens in rainbows? No, that's track number 4. Track number No, what's the track song that opens? opens is 15 step. Yeah, so do you remember that song? Mhm. I love How that it. How sound. it sounds like uh the verses keep like crescendoing in on itself. It's like it's not necessarily going fast but it almost feels like a rapid does that make sense to you at all?
3: Yeah, like a white water rapid. Like there's like there's like interrupting it and eventually things rejoin each other. Like there's yes. there there is a structure. It's just it feels like chaos for a moment.
0: Yeah, this like obviously flowers is not as good as fifteen step, but that kind of that um verse structure feels similar in the way that it keeps like kind of speeding up, slowing back down and kind of crashing in on itself. It's not uh not a great song, but like both times I listened to this and the last song, it's just like, okay, this is pleasant. Like, I, I didn't find anything offensive about him, except, as you know, the lyrics are not that great, but that's true for most of this album.
3: Uh, yeah. Um, I again, jumping back to, um, jumping back to, if your lyrics aren't great, I'm gonna need you to write an awesome song around it so you can hide your lyrics in there. And to just make your vocals one of the instruments, right? Um... Uh, or just don't sing for a little bit just have or your have your
0: basis make a more work. generically bad lyrics like gotta stay high uh
3: yeah um this feels like flowers feels like it's it's essentially like well those early songs seem to be and i know that this isn't how you write albums but like those early songs seem to be um expressive of what i want flowers is like man Weren't the sixties cool, and also you're a young person? why aren't you getting uh, getting rebellious and also uh, what if we just donned a bunch of the the same iconography from the sixties like it's yeah it's,
0: it's, the, uh, yeah, I mean the chorus is bad. it's also like if your chorus of your ninth song is about getting high, and that's like the lyric right? like I just had to get high, and then your chorus of your eleventh song is. Uh, she just had to get high like maybe at least either either come up with a new chorus for one or both or make the songs further apart on the album
3: yeah yeah uh not not a fan uh not a fan of that one I, i'm not a fan of that one or uh the last song on the album
0: i like both but again as like pleasant they're not I would never be like, "Holy shit, you have to hear." This is now my would. I would.
3: I would chop up the some songs from the first half and then you
0: make it an EP. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You'd you, EP it. Yeah, <laughs> you make it did, an EP pen.
3: Yeah, I wish uh, New Radicals put out an EP in 1998. <laughs> yeah, why not? Imagine how pissed you would have been if you bought a CD and it had six songs on it.
0: Oh, you don't think that happened? <laughs> you don't think I paid $13 for a single on accident once? I don't understand basically? the
3: techno thing, but...
0: No, I remember, uh, never mind. I don't want to get into it because you'll just make fun of naked Ladies again. Uh, so oh, Peter... Go ahead now.
3: What? I'm just singing more 90s songs.
0: Do you think that's bare naked ladies? So go ahead now. Hold on, hold on, I really want to go to bed, but do you think that's bare naked ladies?
3: No, it's uh some other band that sounds just like Bare Naked Ladies.
0: Spin Doctor sounds nothing like Bare
3: Naked oh, Ladies. Oh yeah, sorry, they had uh two princes.
0: Anyways, this is – I mean, we may just turn this into a whole uh, 90s albums Aaron used to listen to show. Uh, But, Peter – so this album had a lot of, like, references and musical references and musical influence from from bands I would later discover that I liked quite a bit but I didn't know at the time. And then it had some parts and parcels to bands that I would end up falling in love with later on, like a Radiohead or an Animal Collective. So – you know, to to recommend it to you or to to play it as part of this particular podcast, obviously I'm saying, like, you both know the references and you know things that are stylistically in the same genre but much better. So I don't expect you to fall in love with this album in the same way like a 15-year-old who doesn't know either ends of that spectrum would. But I think you can see why, like, I'm listening to Smashing Pumpkins. I'm listening to Oasis. I'm at the Pizza Hut. I'm at the Taco Bell. Um, I'm at the Techno Bar. Why like uh this album would feel so insanely different than everything I would uh was listening to and like uh and again you don't know the half it, you don't know that we didn't get to like the tonic and the sister hazels and all the other weird one hit wonders on the radio that you would probably go, Oh, you had that whole album? That's weird. Um, Because it was the only way to listen to All For You by Sister Hazel, Peter. You had to buy the album. There was no other way to listen to it over and over again.
3: Yeah, you're more uh, of a Sister Hazel. I'm more of a Sister Christian.
0: You're, you're more like a Sister Show.
3: And you're I think that's from Mr. the last... Show.
0: I, f- I feel like that's from the last episode we recorded, so it makes no goddamn sense. But... uh yeah, I mean, I uh, I still, like, again, I'm, I'm surprised that for an album that I loved with a bunch of albums that I never think about and never listen to again, this one did, in some capacity, uh, you know, stand the test of time for me. The fact that I still enjoy these songs, not in an ironic and not in a nostalgia way, but in a legitimate, like, I like listening to this. I don't care if I hear this over and over again to this day. It's not all the songs on the album. I'm not listening to Uh, I'm not placing this album on my top 100 albums of all time list, but it's still much, much better than a lot of the stuff that came out at the same time. And um, I would be, you know, I like some of the stuff that Greg Alexander wrote for other people. I really love that Michelle Branch song. And um, if he has other uh, songs that he came out with, I would be super interested in hearing them at some point in the future.
3: Yeah, I think uh what I was going to say is I think it'd be fun to, for us to build a little like playlist of songs he wrote later like uh, uh, that you know and, and and do a little comparison to see if like some of this this youthful indulgence kind of shook off or if it was something he leaned into. Um
0: I don't I mean I think he writes more uh from from the songs that I've heard are new like Game of Love by Michelle Branch. I think he he steps away a little bit from the I don't know if it's biographical but the seemingly autobiographical like storytelling type stuff and just leans I into the really he's not writing
3: biographies for Michelle Branch.
0: <laughs> no. But I mean, I don't think he's like telling like these weird uh remember you were
3: getting Do, really
0: do me do me a favor? Here's what I, here's what I want word. you to do me a favor. Just for the sake of this, I'm going to play the Michelle Branch song Game of Love right now when I edit this. Peter take one minute and just quickly listen to the first minute of it. Had you heard it before?
3: Yeah, yeah, on the radio, but not in this context. I don't like the chorus, but like, I don't like the chorus, but I think Michelle Branch is like a pretty talented at, uh, at like making kind of lyrics crunch together nicely.
0: I guess I really like the bridge more than the chorus. The, um, I
3: don't like the little bit of this, little bit of the that part.
0: Um, uh, I like right before that where it's oh, like, oh, yes,
3: uh, 100%. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, I I like how she, yeah, the bridge to it.
0: Like, you come around no more. Like, yeah. I like all that.
3: I want more of that. I want the chorus to be that.
0: I I actually think, like, if you were to listen to, like, New Radicals with the sense of, like, he's better at verses than chorus. I think, like, like Flowers is a really good example, right? Where I think the chorus is fucking terrible, and the verses are compelling in that like fifteen step uh cascading way.
3: Uh yeah, I could see that. I, I it's just it's uh it's one of those things where like I I think he either writes uh Like very, even you get
0: sorry. I think he's not trying to, interrupt.
3: to write choruses that are kind of hooky uh and hooky choruses can be very annoying. And that that's kind of what I got from the Michelle Branch song.
0: Well, like even like you get what you give, like what part do you like better? The verses or the um don't give up you got like i like the verses way better that's more interesting yeah than yeah, the, yeah you're right you're right yeah. that's
3: i mean that's what um that's where that it, <laughs> it, it. it's more fun to see him kind of sonically go off the rails than it is for him to be like all right i got something for you fuckers right here yeah um yeah, which is I that,
0: think, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry we wait like. till the end to say but yeah i do think his whole thing is like he's really good at writing melodies for verses and his choruses are a little bit pap yeah and boring like musically which is why they sometimes don't uh withstand lyrical scrutiny uh peter this was a fun emergency said, episode lyrical
3: scrutiny lyrical scrutiny
0: uh Yeah, I'm I, I'm glad we were able to do this emergency episode Again, it's super weird that just this thing That was kind of like in the back of my head As like an album we should do at some point Just because it was an album that I connected with And still listen to In part and parcel occasionally Um, That uh, it was just on my list And then all of a sudden New Radicals becomes the Twitter meme for a week And it's like, well, let's just do it now <laughs> Let's just let's, let's just get hard. it out of the way, um, because uh, there I I can pretty much guarantee, considering that the two times in my life that the new radicals were relevant were 1998 and 2021, that I don't think we should wait until 2045 or whatever <laughs> when Greg Alexander uh, dies presumably uh, for it to be relevant again.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very true But yeah, thank you for uh, challenging me to listen to this Because clearly it wasn't a fuck you Clearly this was you trying to share some some of your history with me
0: Well, and also, like, I do think, like, there's so many one-hit wonders in this era That I think this is one of the few that at least has both an interesting story Was trying to do something interesting musically at a time when, like, this was not like, they were not building off a uh, musical style that was popular at the time, and also I think that its album uh, holds up a little bit more than uh, a lot of the other uh, bands that you would typically associate with a one-hit wonder. And obviously, the career of Greg Alexander afterwards speaks to that, that there was a lot more to him than just, like, a Hal Bazaar or a Steal My Sunshine or something.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, Good so... Night. <laughs> so. Wait, hold on.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, there's no other dares here because this is an emergency episode. The next dare you'll hear is back to our regularly scheduled program. But
3: I wanna dare you.
0: But how are you gonna dare me? Like we can't have two separate two dare timelines, dares. Peter. It might make it concurrent dares.
3: It might it might force us to actually
0: make the show. Well, how are we gonna rectify the months? timeline? This isn't Back to the Future Part 2. Alright, do you want to dare me something?
3: No, it's fine. I'll save it.
0: Alright, well. Good night, then. (laughs) Good night.